the Shady Pines Guys, Dwayne and Steve. Not live from New York, it's Steve and Dwayne, the Shady Pines Guys. How are you doing today, Steve? Hey, I'm doing good today, Dwayne. How about you? I cannot complain. It's uh, another day in paradise here in Florida, so I cannot complain. That's wonderful. wonderful. Almost the same here. It's a little cooler today, but there's no snow and ice, so it'll be okay. <laughs> well, I hear you've got some Oscar news for us, Steve. I'm one of those goofy people that likes the Oscars. I know that you hear it's cool now for people to complain about the Oscars and all these elite people doing their, you know, giving awards to each other. But I have always kind of liked the pomp and circumstance of it and seeing what everybody's wearing, who they're with, who they're talking to. And I've been a little more interested actually in the things kind of in the background, like what's happening in between the the commercials or when they're backstage. And uh, there are quite a few things to talk about uh, from this last Oscars on things pertaining to that. And one of them is uh, one of our favorites, Lady Gaga. She was walking the brand new champagne carpet this year instead of the red carpet uh, when a photographer that was snapping her pic tripped and he fell to the ground. And you can see in the video the shock in Gaga's face as, as she turns and runs to help this guy, putting her hand out, to, reaching it out, asking him if he's okay, checking on him before she makes her way down the carpet into the uh, theater. So that was pretty neat to see that she, you know, very, you could just see in her face she really cared about what was happening then. Later on, she performed her nominated song, Hold My Hand, from the Top Gun Maverick uh, soundtrack. And while her song didn't win the Oscar, she definitely gets the helpful and caring Oscar for helping the photographer. And I would also like to mention that she performed her song without makeup and without her glamorous Oscar dress. And she looked beautiful and sounded amazing. And then uh, another behind the scenes thing, Brennan Fraser and Kay Hui Kwan picked up Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor uh, Oscars. Uh, Brendan for his performance in The Whale and Kay for his performance in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Now, of course, they both starred in 1992's Encino Man and became friends then. That was not an Oscar-nominated movie. But while Brendan was being interviewed backstage about his win, Kay walked up with his statue in his hand and congratulated Brendan on his win. It became very emotional as they cried and hugged. And Kay said that the most exciting thing for him about all this was seeing Brendan there with that statue in his hand. And Brendan explained how there came a time in their careers where the phone stopped ringing and then somehow they both got lucky. They both got offers that they could throw their heart into and heart and soul into and that they could act like they were never going to do this again and how grateful he was for everything that they got. It was really a neat thing to see if you catch that clip online. And, uh, Kay's co-star in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, the lovely Jamie Lee Curtis, also won for Best Supporting Actress. It's her first Oscar. She appeared on the Today Show with Hoda Kotb and Savannah Guthrie, and they aired her acceptance speech, and she was in tears. She started crying, and she said, that's the first that I've seen that I hadn't gotten to see that yet. She thanked everybody and showed her Oscar off. They asked her if she had named it yet. And Jamie Lee explained that in honor of her transgender daughter, Ruby, that she is calling her Oscar they, them. She also used the time on air to talk about how so many people are living harsh lives and that there are people all over the who are claiming, who are, are coming at them in scary ways, highlighting all the anti-trans laws that have been 
made across the country recently. Jamie Lee also posted a picture on her Instagram where she placed her Oscar on a shelf near her SAG award and a butt plug. And you wonder why? Well, <laughs> apparently uh, the butt plug award was given to her character Deidre in the movie. Uh, and uh, it was given her as auditor of the month from her antagonist, Evelyn, who's played by Michelle Yeoh. And so uh, who also picked up a Best Actress Oscar for that role. And uh, Michelle Yeoh's mother was half the world away in Malaysia, but she was watching with family at an Oscar party on TV. And they someone recorded that moment when Michelle's name was announced and as Best Actress winner. Her mother screamed and cries and she's talking about how she's very excited, very proud of her daughter. She says she loves her daughter and that her daughter is a very hardworking girl. So that's my she, Oscar news. Go, and Dwayne, you've got some of your own too that you wanted to mention. Well, I just wanted to comment on Michelle Yeoh. I have watched her in uh, Star Trek Discovery mm -hmm. and I found her to be the most amazing part of the show. Once she exited the show, I have to admit, I kind of lost interest. <laughs> she puts her heart and soul into everything. And later that evening, after the Oscars, Diana Ross was singing at an event held by Byron Allen for the Children's Hospital. Diana performed I'm, Not, I'm Coming Out, Love Hangover, Ease On Down the Road, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, and ended the night with telling everyone to follow their dreams. Diana's birthday is almost up on us again. March 26th, the Supreme Diva will turn 79 years old. So I would like to wish Diana Ross a happy birthday. I would like to speak about something that happened several weeks ago that involves Diana Ross and the Supremes were given a Lifetime Grammy Award for their achievements. And Florence Ballard's daughter, Lisa, and Mary Wilson's daughter, both were there to pick up the award. Of course, Diana got a lot of flack for not appearing to accept the award for the Supremes. And a lot of people thought she was being you know, just didn't care or anything, but I think we should give Diana the benefit of the doubt. You know, she's been away from the Supremes 53 years. She's made a solo career of her own and she is known as a solo star, not as a Supreme. Had Diana came to this event, Mary and Flo's contributions and their daughters both would have been overlooked because mm. all of the questions would have been directed toward Diana that anyone had to ask. She would have been the only thing that would have gotten attention. She would have been asked all the questions. And I think Diana was being gracious and magnanimous by not showing up. This let Flo and Mary have this moment and let their daughters cherish it and relish it i mean like i said she's a huge star and i think she was quite gracious by not accepting this award and letting flo and mary's daughters have the moment for their mothers and allowing them a moment to be remembered and thought of i totally agree with you that makes perfect sense and that's true it would have turned into the diana ross show exactly and, and not by her doing <laughs> you know she exactly. was exactly <laughs> 
she's just such a huge star that naturally when she walks in the room, you forget everybody else because yep. she's that supreme diva. And she was doing good anyway. She made her a lot of money on Oscar night, didn't she? <laughs> Performing she at that did. party. <laughs> singing, her, <laughs> singing her ass off. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Dwayne, do you want me to tell you about my celebrity counter with my... I am favorite? anxious to hear about this one because I've loved Olivia Newton-John all my life and always enjoyed her music. So I'm really looking forward to this one. That is something about Olivia because uh, she's, she's not even really in one certain genre of music, but there's lots of people in different that are into different types of music that usually have a few Olivia songs that they like to listen to here and there. So uh, this is going to go all the way back to 1999. I was working for a group of radio stations that had been airing jingles on our light station. They were written and sang by Jim Brickman, the piano player. This is before he got big when he started doing this. Well, at, while he was doing those jingles and then he became more popular, he still kept doing that for us. So we had a good relationship with him. He'd come in and do shows for us and redo our jingles. And uh, it was just uh a, a good relationship we had with him as his popularity grew. So what happened with that is he had a publicist at the time, Michael, uh, who became a friend of mine later, who was a huge fan of Olivia Newton-John. And uh, that's how he and I became friends over the years dealing with Jim. Michael and I would talk about Olivia all the time. Well, I have to admit that I was jealous one day because Michael called and said he was having lunch with Olivia at her ranch. So that was the kind of thing we did. He'd, he'd send me an email or call and say, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Well, at this time, he was being considered to be Olivia's publicist as well, uh, which he later became and worked with her until her death last year. And he had negotiated to have Jim Brickman open for Olivia on her Greatest Hits tour. So my boss at the time, Mary, surprised me and said, hey, we've got tickets to the show in Columbus, Ohio, and a group of us are going to go up there and we're going to ride together in a limo. I was so excited, and my late husband, Ken, was just as excited. I think he was more excited about the limo ride. But once we arrived <laughs> at the venue, you know, Ken. <laughs> yeah. Once we arrived at the venue and we're about to take our seats, Mary surprised me again by handing me two backstage passes. She said it's time to head backstage to meet Olivia before the show. Her and Michael had set the, up a private meet and greet for me. Uh, luckily, me being an optimist, I had brought along some of my favorite albums in case I was able to snag an autograph after the show. My plan was to wait, you know, by the stage or something, hoping that she or a tour bus somewhere, hoping that she would do some autographs because I heard she was nice and friendly and would do that. So anyways, I was glad I didn't know this ahead of time because I was immediately scared to death. I went to the backstage entrance. Kid and I walked back there and there was Michael waiting for me with a big old smile on his face. I said, do you promise me that she is really a nice person? I asked, if she's mean, I don't want to meet her. I wouldn't be able to handle finding out that she's not a nice woman. I've loved her since I was four years old. Yes, Michael laughed. He said, she's very nice. She's agreed to meet you, even though she isn't doing a meet and greet tonight. He grabbed my hand. Uh, I had a hold of Ken's hand and he led us to an outdoor patio area with tables and chairs and immediately I see Olivia standing there. She's smiling, dressed for her show. She's reached out her hand and she says, nice to meet you, Steve. And this must be Ken as she shook Ken's hand. I kind of gasped and stared at her for a second, unsure of what to say. She giggled. She said, uh, maybe a hug will help and gave me a big hug. She was Aww. so, she was so tiny 
but that hug was so big and warm. She then hugged Ken as well, and I just started rambling about how I'd loved her since I was a kid, and I had all her albums, played her records constantly, how my dad took me to see Xanadu and joked that since I loved Olivia so much that dad always said that he could marry her so that she could be my stepmom and I'd have a stepmother that I liked. Well, she was easy to talk to, and soon we weren't even talking about that stuff. We were talking about me and Ken's lives, our kids. She was asking questions and almost made me forget that this was Olivia Newton-John standing here. Uh, uh, this probably went on for about 10 minutes. The director then uh, came in and said, well, you need to take the stage now. And she hugged me and Ken and she asked, would you like me to sign your albums? Because I totally forgot that I was holding them. Of course I did. So while she was signing the albums, luckily Ken had the good sense to snap a picture of me with Olivia. It still seems unreal to this day that I got to meet her and I got to meet her two more times in the future, but only got picked this one time. And I'm so glad I did. And of course, I have my autographed Totally Hot album framed. I also have the autographed centerfold from her Olivia's Greatest Hits Volume 2 framed. And then I, of course, I also framed my autographed Grease soundtrack. And I've got a book. I've got so many things that she signed for me. It was a surreal, wonderful, sweet moment in time that I got to meet Olivia. And I still say to this day, that hug was one of the sincerest I've ever gotten from a celebrity. And it, and it, I can't even explain it enough. I The, the only other thing compares uh, once before Obama became president, I met him and shook his hand and there was something about his handshake. You could tell there was magic there. And that was the thing with Olivia. She was the tiniest little thing, but that hug was the biggest hug I've ever gotten. So there's my celebrity counter with Olivia Newton-John. And uh, I still can't believe that it happened. <laughs> well, it sounds like a wonderful thing to have had happen i mean i can just see that centerfold of that olivia's greatest hits volume two that was probably my favorite of all of her albums i yeah. really liked that yeah. one i'm so glad you got to meet her and and you know there's something about meeting somebody you've idolized your whole life like that that's special yeah yeah it was scary, <laughs> but it was special. As we know from my my celebrity encounter with Belinda, sometimes it doesn't go quite the way you expect. So, but Olivia was better than expected, and all the things you hear about her were true. Wonderful. Well, Dwayne, um, I want you to talk about something now. <laughs> yes, I've been hogging up the show so far. And uh, well, what do you got for us today? I'm going to give you a review of the Golden Palace TV series. First of all, I would like to note that the Golden Palace is not a Chinese restaurant and it's not a theater. It's a spinoff of the Golden Girls, which ended after seven years on NBC. When B. Arthur decided to leave the series, they called it the, a day. However, the other three cast members still wish to work, so a new premise was came up with, and that is the Golden Palace. The girls sell their home and buy a hotel, and they find that the hotel is not doing quite well, and they actually can't afford to hire a staff, so they have to do all the work themselves. Naturally, Sophia is in the kitchen cooking, and Rose and Blanche take turns doing other odd jobs around the hotel. And 
Joining the cast is Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong and Don Chalady in one of his first major TV roles. I thought the show was an excellent follow-up to the Golden Girls. It only lasted the one season, but it really could have went longer. There was a lot of great guest stars during this season. There was Kim Fields, Jeanette Dubois, Eddie Albert, B. Arthur, and others. It uh, it still was funny, and even though B. Arthur was probably my favorite Golden Girl, I really didn't find myself missing her during this show because it was still funny and, and good. It's available on Hulu right now to check out, and uh, all the episodes are available there. There's only 20, 23, I believe, episodes, and uh, I highly recommend this show for a fan of the Golden Girls or someone that likes comedy. I must mention here, too, that when the Golden Girls ended their run on NBC, NBC chose not to pick up the Golden Palace. So the Golden Palace was sold to CBS and appeared on their Friday night lineup that was a comedy lineup. Unfortunately, the whole comedy lineup was a a bomb. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the shows were canceled that year. Golden Palace was going to receive a second season, but right at the very last minute before it was to go through, it was axed. Mm. So it kind of was a shame that I, they stuck it on a night where, you know, people weren't really planning to watch comedies. I don't think on a Friday night, people go out and do other things. And it's too bad that, uh, NBC hadn't continued it on the Saturday night lineup because I'm sure it would have been more successful there. A change in network never helps a program, but if you have spare time on your hand and you're a fan of the Golden Girls, go to Hulu and check this out. The series has never been on DVD, so there and they were also on YouTube for a while, so you might check there, too, to check it out. But I highly give it a two thumbs up. And back to you, Steve. Mm, I'm going to check those out because I did watch the show. You're right. It was still it was an entertaining show. It had a good cast, good guest stars, as you just mentioned. And, uh, yeah, I think it was just uh, the time and place of where it was it was that contributed to it not lasting any longer than it already did. But uh, I'll have to check that out because uh, I don't remember uh, Jeanette Dubois uh, being on there. I'm kind of remember. I remember when Dorothy visited, and I think I remember Kim Fields' episode. But I'm gonna have to go check those out because they are they are good. It'll be almost like watching you know a new show because it's been so long since I've seen that show. Yes, that's the way it was for me. I hadn't seen them except in the original run. I don't rem- I don't believe they were ever even reran during that original run on CBS. I think they just kind of pulled it and didn't even show them again. I bet not. If I remember correctly. Well, and back at that time, that was when that, when CBS was kind of the, the dud station, it would, it'd be, it was all about NBC and uh, CBS, I think was way behind back in those years. So it, it, a lot of us weren't watching that that channel at that time. <laughs> yeah, that was the last season of Designing Women too. They were 
axed after that season as well. And mm-hmm. so it was, uh, there was also the major dad that was in that lineup. And oh, Bob yeah. Newhart, Bob Newhart had a new show oh, and yeah. it actually got a re- a renewal for a second season. And when it did, since the golden palace had been canceled, Betty white joined the cast of Bob oh, yeah. show. Yes. I but remember that. I don't think it helped the series any. I think it was canceled after the second season. Yeah. That one didn't so, usually his other yeah. shows went longer than that one. I know. Oh yes. Seven or eight seasons. <laughs> and the others went, I, I believe Newhart went for seven and, the Bob Newhart show for six, I believe. I like both those. Bob Newhart a little bit better than Newhart, but they're both good. <laughs> well, I'm kind of partial to Newhart because of uh, Allison from Designing Women. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. I lost the actress's I, name. <laughs> I lost her name, too. It just it left my mind there for a minute, but I really liked her as Stephanie on Newhart, and I also yeah. liked her as Allison on Bob Newhart. I mean, on on designing women. Yeah, that so. was another show that did another. They kind of had a reincarnation, but was, it was still good, as you said before, discussing it. That it was still it was still an entertaining, funny show with good characters. Absolutely. Soap dish. So I guess it's time for me to move into soap dish here with you and uh today i'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on on the bold and the beautiful i guess it's ridge and bill have been working together to trap sheila so that they can send her away for once and for all so will sheila go to jail will sheila kill someone else before she goes to jail will what's going to happen here because you know sheila's like a caged animal you put her in a corner and she's going to come out swinging with a gun or worse so i'm kind of excited to 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 see where it goes but i fear that that may be the end of kimberlyn brown and kimberlyn brown is my main reason for watching. So I hope they don't get rid of her, but I feel like they will over in our, as the world turns news today, I'm going to review the carjack DVD set. Well, I would like to say this is the first DVD set that I have had mixed feelings about. Mora and Michael Park do a wonderful job of the acting throughout the whole disc. They're just really, Mora West is just, she's so good. And the bad thing was, the first three episodes in the disc, the writing just was not good. It didn't feel like As the World Turns. It just, there were so many different characters that were in these episodes that didn't stay long or didn't last long for one reason of the, for the other. And you didn't see any of the veteran actors hardly at all. I saw Lucinda in about four episodes. I saw John in about four episodes. Bob appeared in two episodes in this. 
and Kim appeared in one and Nancy in one. And if you were looking for Susan or, or uh, Eileen Fulton, you're out of luck because they're not in, in the DVD set at all. But there was a lot of different characters that seemed to come and go without rhyme or reason uh, in these later years. I mean, you get to sample three of the different Craigs in this DVD set. You get to uh, uh, see Scott Bryce. You get to see Hunt Block. And you also get to see John Lindstrom, all which were fine actors, Mm -hmm. but just such a turnover in such a short time. Plus, there was the new Dusty and the new Meg. And I really would have liked to see more of the uh, core characters. And one thing that did strike me odd during this, so many of these characters that were on for short term or not long at all, they weren't connected to the core families of the show in any way. So they just drifted in and out. And it's the, it's just a, a different feeling in those first three episodes. By the time you get to almost the end of the first disc, it feels like as the world turns again, the writing has stabilized. Hogan Seth Schaffner is writing it at this point, And it's probably the best that it had been since Douglas Marland had wrote it. There's uh, that's the only episodes that you see the, the veterans in are the ones that uh, Hogan wrote then. Uh, but getting back to the main story, the Carly and Jack story was a beautiful romance and it's highlighted well in this DVD set. I did enjoy the last half of the first DVD and the second DVD better than I did the first couple episodes on from the late nineties. I just didn't feel the writing was there. And like I said, the veterans weren't shown any and it kind of felt like watching a different show but that's just my take on it. So that's all I have for Soap Dish today. Now it's time for Music Gems. Today in Music Gems, I would like to take a look at my favorite Barbara Streisand album, Guilty. It's produced by Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees. And Barry and his brother's voices are found throughout the album. He duets with Barbara on What Kind of Fool and Guilty, which were two major hits for the Barbara and Barry. Barbara's Woman in Love, though, is the song that makes this album. Barbara's in top form on this album, and she's never sounded better. There's no throwaway tracks on the Guilty album. It's all just pure enjoyment from the track, first track to the very last track. And this album, to me, I've played it numerous times over the years. But to me, if I had to pick one Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand album that was my favorite, I would pick Guilty. I would also recommend Greatest Hits Volume 2, which collects most of her more pop-oriented music from the 70s. And it has some great songs on it, too, like Songbird, You Don't Bring Me Flowers, My Heart Belongs to Me, uh, The Way We Were, All is Fair and Lovin', Superman and Stony End. 
And it's an also a great companion to add to this Guilty album when you're just getting your feet wet with Barbara trying out some new albums of hers. Those would be my first two I re- recommend. But I would also recommend Stony End. That was produced by Richard Perry, and that was her first real effort at having a more contemporary pop sound. Mm. And it's a great album, too. And I would also recommend the Wet album. It has the duet with Donna Summer, No More Tears, Enough is Enough. But it also has a hidden gem that only made it to number 19 on the charts. But it's a favorite Barbara tune of mine, and that's Kiss Me in the Rain. And uh, it's included on the Wet album. And as far as I know, that's the only album that you can find it on. It's well worth seeking out. It's one of Barbara's prettiest, most lovely songs. And I would also recommend for Barbara the Emotion album. It was in a pop theme. And she has the Pointer Sisters singing background for her. She does a duet with Kim Carnes. And it's just another album that's really good. So if you're thinking of checking Barbara out, I hope those little uh, uh, recommendations would help you pick a good place to start that you might enjoy with her music. That sounds good, Dwayne. Woman in Love is my most favorite Barbara Streisand song. Mine too. I just, Mine too. Oh, it takes me, it just takes me away. Every time I listen to it, I'm somewhere I'm else. I'm going to put it on as soon as we finish. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dwayne Gregory inviting you to join us again for the Shady Pines guys, Steve and Dwayne. Stay tuned for Capital on most of these stations. The Shady Pines Guys with Dwayne and Steve. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Any unauthorized redistribution or reproduction of the content in the show is strictly prohibited. We hope you'll join us again for the Shady Pines Guys. You can find us on Apple, Google, and Spotify Podcasts. And on Ali too.